Yes, people, we are live. Life Stories is back yet again. But before we get into it, people, let's hit the intro. Welcome back, footballing audience. Life Stories is upon us again. Joining me for episode six will be special guests, RJ Arsenal blog, the Guna Talk TV, and the Chronicles of Aguna. Hashtag Life Stories is back. Yes, people, we are live. Albert J TV. Life Stories episode six. It has been a while, people. Content with a difference, I like to call it. As you can see, I've got three of my Arsenal brothers. Um, we are related somehow, but I have to look down the food chain on long, 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 long lost stories. But um, there's some connection there, surely. But now I'm buzzing to get these three guys on um, in particular because this content series for me is a bit different from, as I said to the guys, away from the blood and thunder of social media and Twitter Arsenal world, which is a, a job in itself, to be honest with you. But um, people, like I say, smash the like button if you haven't already and subscribe to the channel. As you have done, thank you to the new subscribers. And I will put this on my IGTV later and also on Spotify and Anchor so you can listen to my dulcet tones, apparently, because I sound good on the podcast, apparently. But um, further ado, because I'm on a time schedule because these guys are busy, man, um, I'm going to introduce my little brother, I call him. Rowan, thank you for agreeing to come on. It's been a while. It's been a while. I don't get to see you many times, but um, pleasure to get you to come on, man. No, it's always good to come on. Um, I think we... When we both kind of started our journey um, doing different things, we did an early video and then um, it was a while before we did our next one. Um, I always enjoy sharing a platform with you and i um, really happy that you've invited me on again. You know what? No need to thank me. It's, 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 absolute, it's, it's my honour and pleasure to get you back on again. And I'm going to introduce my second fantastic guest. Recently got to know this guy a little bit better. He's actually quite funny off camera, actually. Good old Tom Canton, the Guna Talk TV. Tom. Oh, you built uh, that up. <laughs> <laughs> Tom, it's a pleasure, man. No, no, thank you again for having me on your channel. Um, I actually didn't see that one coming, but I'm appreciative. So I'm glad you come and agree to this channel, mate. No, absolute pleasure. It was, uh, as I say, I was happy to have you on the show the other week. And, uh, and yeah, it's uh, great to be sharing a platform with you on your own side of things, for sure. For sure. No, I appreciate it. Welcome to the red carpet, Tom. South East London red carpet. Uh, <laughs> And with further ado, last one but not least, I've met, spoken to Harry quite a few times sort of over the course of the last probably year, 18 months probably even, even before that. But I got to meet the gentleman, lovely bear hug he gave me at the protest against Everton. <laughs> which proper man hug, mate. That's, the, that's what I like to see. But um, Harry, absolute pleasure, man. Uh, firstly, before you say anything, um, you've given me an amazing chance on your platform. You've always brought me on and courteous to me so it's it's very much appreciated and thank you for coming on no thank you for having me man pleasure to be here and um you're one of the good guys when it comes to the uh the arsenal twitter world which is there, there is you know there's loads of good guys but there's loads of guys that you're kind of just like yeah they're not gonna do anything but abuse me so uh when you meet people like yourself um it's nice it's nice to do stuff together and and make friends out of it as well and, and yeah. i regard you as a friend mate so it's just great to be here Oh, much love. I am blushing, people, but you just can't tell because of my skin complexion, but it's fine. It, it, it happens. But um, yeah, let's get stuck in, man. Um, I've, I'll be totally remiss of me not to obviously talk about developments in the Premier League with a certain team in the North East in Newcastle. I just want to get you guys thoughts very quickly on it because 
it's been overload in the last 24 hours. But um, Newcastle, I have new ownership. Mike Ashley is gone. Amanda Stavely, after four years, I believe or so, has finally sort of got her, not claws in, but have, has made the necessary sort of changes and Newcastle under new ownership. Um, my sort of take on it before I quickly come to Rowan to kick off what your thoughts are about it. Um, I've always said that if there's one set of football fans that absolutely feels like the end of the tunnel, um, I've heard talk about awful training grounds, the stadium needs a lick of paint. Every season, they don't really do well in any of the cup competitions. They're not going to get top four. They're not going to get top six. So it's a difficult watch. But listen, what I would say is, I heard a lot of Newcastle fans say yesterday they've got their club back. What I would say is, I remember the 7th of October 2018. That might not ring a bell to a lot of Arsenal fans, but we beat Fulham 5-1 away when Emery was in charge. And a lot of Arsenal fans today were singing, we've got our Arsenal back. Long time ago now. So, um, Rowan, I'm going to bring you in. What's your sort of immediate thoughts um, about the Newcastle takeover um, and maybe the implications for Arsenal, possibly? Yeah, I think, similar to you, I think if there's one set of fans who you could say deserve this um, is Newcastle. You know, it's a massive city. The fan base is huge. And they've had to suffer a lot under Ashley over the years because um, they obviously have huge expectations, but those expectations are kind of belittled because of the lack of ambition that Ashley has shown over the years. And I think with this takeover now, it's given them a lift. And, and certainly, I think in their next game, I think it's against Spurs. Yes. You can definitely see that um, kind of lift that's been happening with this takeover translate onto the pitch. Um, it, it's one of those ones where I am happy, but at the same time, it is a bit worrying um, for Arsenal and for other clubs like Liverpool as well, where we're clubs where... We have spent money over the years um, since Kroenke has taken full ownership. But at the same time with us is that any significant investment that we make, we have to make sure that that works. We can't afford to let that be a poor investment. Whereas Newcastle, as they kind of develop um, under this new ownership, it is going to be uh, a couple of early years where they will have to um, endure a bit of pain. You know, just like Manchester City when they first had Mark Hughes coming um, in when they had their ownership. Um, but... As time will, will progress, I think it's going to be a situation where they're going to be similar to the likes of Manchester City and Chelsea, where they're going to be able to spend money, significant money on players. And they're going to have a lot of opportunities to make risks in the market because they know that if they do make mistakes, they'll still be able to bring other players in and they'll be able to sell them on as well. Just like Chelsea have done um, over the years with the likes of Maratta, Bakayoko as well, two signings, for example, who haven't really, you know, kick-started their Chelsea career in the way that their fans expected. But even though they didn't perform, they were still able to sell them for large money and they were able to bring other players in and spend significant money. So I'm happy for them, but at the same time, I'm a little bit wary um, in the next two or three years in terms of the situation which they could reach and where they could be positioned at the table. No, well said. Good, good, good thoughts on that. I'm going to come to Tom. Um, yeah, what's your sort of kind of immediate thoughts about the Newcastle takeover. Um, lots been said, shall I say. Mm, no, yeah, loads have been said, to be fair. Uh, and I think a lot of people obviously are a bit concerned at the moment because they just it's another club that can arguably spend more than we can in regards to what they need to make. And we know that Newcastle have never really been a threat to kind of the top, I'd say top, top four, we're not a top four side, not hardly top six these days, but kind of a threat to the top half of the table, I suppose, is, is a more accurate way of describing Arsenal at the moment. Um, but they were always a side that previously had competed for titles. We know about the 
the famous season under uh, Keegan and, and what they did there. And obviously, I'd love it if we beat them. That, that line just absolutely <laughs> sticks in my mind forever. Um, but the the idea of Newcastle, again, competing is, is great in from the neutral point of view, from looking at a more competitive league. But from an Arsenal perspective, you're worried that obviously they're going to go out and, and spend loads of money and become another Manchester City in, in the broader context, context of things. And I think that for Arsenal, I'm still not going to lose my head over it because we just don't know what's going to happen. But I mean, yeah. you look at Everton, Everton were taken over, have spent a lot of money and they've not progressed from that point Burnley were taken over last year I think for an American consortium and they I mean they they barely done anything in the summer either and I know it's, it takes time but it's there's no guarantees in the world of football so we'll see how they how they manage it no great cheers Tom thanks for that Harry my friend I know you covered it this morning I did great show by the way Harry by the way I did, and I did press the like button just to let you know that but um yeah what's your thoughts mate um it's a hard one because I'm a little bit older than these two guys. So I remember Newcastle being like the entertainers and all of that. And, you know, so it is one of those clubs that I've looked at for the last few years and gone, I've got a lot of sympathy for their fans as to where they were and where they are now and how that's all kind of unfolded and, and progressively gotten worse under Mike Ashley. The only thing is, obviously, there's a lot of issues around this takeover that just don't sit right with me, that don't sit right with a lot of people. And I'm finding it really difficult to be able to kind of accept that those issues are there and and say that I don't like them. But also, I've got to be careful not to pin this on the Newcastle fans because it's not their fault. You know, if 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 this Saudi-led consortium took over Arsenal, we'd all be sitting there with a conflict like the Newcastle fans or like a lot of Newcastle fans have, where it's great, we're going to be more competitive and this is what we need. But equally there are some issues in the background that that make this just not feel quite 100% right. So they're celebrating Ashley going. It's a massive weight off of their shoulders. Mm. But I do feel like it's a little bit tarnished for some of them because of all the things that, you know, are being talked about when it comes to this consortium. So I think it will be forgotten. It shouldn't be forgotten, but I think it will be kind of brushed aside, um, especially in the minds of Newcastle fans, if they do impress as a team and start moving forward. So, I don't know, mixed feelings on it, if I'm honest. No, no, thanks, guys. Thanks for your opinions on that. People, like I said, smash the like button and follow my Steam guests. If you don't know about their channels already, then I don't know where you've been for the last two years or so, but follow them anyway. But um, yeah, let's kick off with the sort of live story show. So, um, it's been a while. Um, I'm like the 21st century Michael Aspel, for those who are old enough to remember him. So, <laughs> so um, I'm going to kick off with Tom, actually. Um, first question. Arsenal journey, my friend. Why Arsenal? And what were your first memories, good or bad, should I say? Yeah, I mean, if you end up doing this show for another 20 years, you might get more bad memories than, than good ones. But uh, thankfully, I'm not that young. that I, I can remember the good times. Uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, Arsenal has, has been in has kind of come from my granddad. Um, he passed away for I was bored and my nan would tell me kind of stories about him being an Arsenal fan. So I kind of took on that mantle uh, forwards. Uh, but it was actually kind of my my dad is not an Arsenal fan whatsoever, though his dad was. Um, but because of where our, our area, not the most well-off area and family not being the most well-off at the time, they only got tickets to go and watch Gillingham, which is the local side of where we are in, in League One in the Championship and in League Two as well. Follow them all up and down, relegation and promotion through the leagues. Um, but that's, that's kind of where my granddad and my dad went. But Obviously, just me watching more football on telly than they did, uh, got into 
obviously Arsenal, finding out more from my nan and my granddad's support of Arsenal, and then grew through from there. And I didn't actually get to my first game until I was like 17, um, just because didn't have the money to to be able to go. My dad wasn't an Arsenal fan, so he was never kind of the most intent on taking me. Um, so I managed to get up to one when I was 17. It was it was a League Cup game against Coventry, in which we won 5-1. Oxlade-Chamberlain scored an absolute screw. I think it was Olivier Giroud's first ever goal for Arsenal as well. Um, but first memory, is it sticks in my mind always, is whilst I was about 10 when we were going through the Invincible season, I, and I remember it in fits and spurts, but actually the one memory that sticks in my mind from the earlier stage was... Dennis Burkamp heading the ball onto his own bar in the FA Cup final in 2005. And in that moment, realising it doesn't matter what United do and how much they dominate us, they're not winning this final. So, uh, And I think that was that's the one that sticks in my mind from my youth more than any other. Um, so, yeah, that's that's it. Yeah. Tom, that, Tom, that is a beautiful story. That's why I've got you. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. I won't quit no, my day job anytime yeah, soon. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Every, listen, everyone's got their own story. Like I said, before I quickly come to Rowan, like, I'm I'm 21 plus a, a tiny bit of VAT as people probably know how old I am anyway. But um, yeah, everybody's journey is different, my friend. So now thanks for that, Rowan, young man, youthful exuberance. Um, yeah. So um, yeah, what's your sort of story in terms of Arsenal and your first memories? Yeah, my, I think mine's a little bit different to your your typical fan, where they're kind of brought up in a footballing background and it's kind of passed on to them from their mums, dads, grandparents, uncles. With me, it, I was brought up in a, a cricket background. Um, that was the, the sport that I, I learnt from an early age. I played that consistently, still play it now. Um, and for, for football, it was actually in 2006 when I started actually watching and following football. And it's because it was the first time we actually got our first Skybox. Um, so <laughs> I was able to kind of watch games. And at that time, it was the big four, you know, Arsenal, United, Chelsea and um, Liverpool. And just out of, I don't know why, but... in out of coincidence, it was always a case of whenever I, I turned the TV on and I put Sky Sports on, there was a game on. It was always Arsenal on. So I thought I would follow Arsenal. And um, that's how it kind of started. And my mum brought me my first Arsenal um, top in that same year, in 2006. It was the Burgundy top, which is still my favourite one. Beautiful uh, kid. Oh. And, um, you know, I can't remember too much um, in that year. I was only, what, eight years old. Um, but um, I, I do remember the game against Fulham at Craven Cottage. It was 4-0. And I can remember Thierry um, scoring two goals in that game. So I think that's my first memory. But obviously that year was also very disappointing for us as Arsenal fans um, with the Champions League final loss. Oh. Uh, but but that was um, where it kind of started. And yeah, I've just been following Arsenal consistently since then. And actually it's quite funny because um, a couple of weeks ago when we played Wimbledon um, and we won that game in the Carabao Cup, that was the first time I've missed an Arsenal game, um, just watching oh, wow. them pre-season and um, just competitive games since 2012 and I was gutted it was the first time where Arsenal won a game and I was so upset because I just couldn't view it you know I've just it's, it's like a drug you know you get attached to it and um, that's just that's kind of my story it's a little bit different to um, what you'd usually hear um, I've had to educate myself on Arsenal just by myself you know there was no one really there to kind of um, give me that knowledge, that information that I could have taken on from an early age. Um, so I've just had to educate myself and yeah, I, I love it. Brilliant story, Rowan. Before I come to Harry, yeah, listen, I, in my terms of my family, there wasn't anybody that really, really liked sport um, at all. The first person that kind of got me into football really was, was a mate of mine, was a Tottenham fan. I know you couldn't make it up, but um, yeah, but um, yeah, I never anybody had anybody that could take me to the games or 
So I missed the hybrid era, unfortunately. But um, yeah, everybody's story is different. But Harry, let's hear your 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 story, mate. Your memories and why Arsenal, mate. I was brainwashed. I didn't have a choice. Um, <laughs> I got to be honest. I had zero choice, zero say in the matter whatsoever. My dad is, I would still say, even to this day, a bigger gooner than me. Um, I've never seen a grown man or a 55, 56 year old man who still loses his shit as much as my dad does when he's watching Arsenal. So, um, yeah, I, I was brainwashed. And I don't, you know, obviously it's, it's, it's just a little bit different because you don't kind of know, you, you don't like naturally gravitate towards Arsenal because you're just put there and, and it's kind of the thing that you just go with, but grown to love the club massively. And, um, I remember my first game clear as anything. In fact, it was the 10th of September, 1996. And it was at Highbury. It was a game between Arsenal and Borussia Mönchengladbach um, in what was like the UEFA Cup back then. They beat us 3-2. And they beat us on aggregate overall and knocked us out of the competition. But Paul Merson and Ian Wright scored the goals for Arsenal. And I remember that day, there was a player playing for Gladbach called Stefan Effenberg. Yes. I'm sure a lot of you will remember yeah. when he went to Bayern Munich, but that was kind of at the beginning of his career and he was he just stood out. So that was my first Arsenal game, except the memory is of a, of a Gladbach player who stole the show. But yeah, no, um, yeah, that's 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 my first memory of Arsenal. But the, the day was really interesting for me because I was five years old, nearly six years old. and No, six years old, sorry, 96, I was six years old. And I was in school and uh, my dad came and picked me up early to go to the match because at the time we lived in South London. And uh, he came and he, he collected me from school early. And I thought, what's going on here? Why is he collecting me early from school? And uh, he had told me in the morning that we had a dentist appointment uh, or he, he told the teacher that he was taking me to a dentist appointment. So when she came into the room and said, Harry, your dad's here to pick you up. You're going to the dentist. I was like, what? And uh, basically we were going to the game. We were traveling up to North London for the game. But the reason he never told me was because he thought I would blurt it out and get him in trouble for taking me out of school um, early. So, yeah, <laughs> that was my first Arsenal experience. When people yeah. talk about this stuff, I honestly don't remember anything for my 10th birthday. When the people are sitting there going, oh, when I was six or oh, when I was just fresh out the womb, like, I, I don't remember anything from my childhood. <laughs> it's, it's funny, Tom, because there's stuff, there's certain things like that I'll remember mm. clearly. Yeah. And then you can ask me something else and I won't have a clue. But there's certain things that stay in your yeah, mind. I no, I will say, no, like I said, with me, my first, I, from what I can remember, first, first memory really, like I said, was the 88-89 game. Um, I was young, but I remember the game very, very well. Um, our, yeah, best best memory I can remember of Arsenal, if I'm honest. Yes, I enjoyed 97-98 and Invincibles, but um, yeah, wow. I would have loved to have been there at Anfield that night, believe me. But um, I wasn't, so unfortunately I wasn't. But people, thanks for that. Great insight, guys. Um, let's move on to the next question. This, this is a nice question because I've got aspiring Sunday supplement journalists here on me with my panel. So I want to kick off with I want to kick off with Rowan actually. Um, yeah, what made what made you want to get into sort of the broadcasting journalist side of football, and who did you look up to and influences? Before you answer that, sort of. Myself, sort of remembering old school journalists, um, Brian Walno, um, Martin Samuel, Rob Beasley, Harry Harris, Steve Curry. But we sort of look into the new era. We've got Sammy Macbar, we've got Vishali Badawaj, we have Jack Pickbrook, we have um, Adam Crafton. So it, it's changed a lot. I mean, 
I wouldn't say necessarily it's a young man's game, but I wouldn't complain about that personally. But yeah, sort of what's your thoughts in terms of how you sort of view this question, mate? It's it's a funny one because um I only started um just a year and a bit ago now, um, in terms of actually getting into this. I you know, um during uni I studied engineering. I've got um a master's in that as well, and I'm currently working full time in engineering as well. Um but it's one of those ones where I've always loved football. I've always loved Arsenal. And I like talking about Arsenal and I liked just giving my thoughts. So I remember a lot of my friends were telling me to just, you know, start a blog, start writing, just see how it goes. And um, the perfect time was lockdown because at that stage, you know, as a graduate, it was difficult getting a job. Um, and you see the same kind of emails recycled over and over again, the same jobs that you've applied for. So mm. I thought, let's actually give this a go now. There's not much else you can really do um, in that period. So I just wrote my first article um I remember it was June um, of last year and it, it got a, a little bit of coverage and it allowed me to get an opportunity with um, Gunners Town where I started writing consistently. And I just really enjoyed it because I'm just that kind of person who likes to just give opinions and to write them down is, is a good way and it's always good to get feedback and um, um, have debates. So um, that's that's how I kind of started, you know. Um, I've always kind of wanted to do something like this, but I've never really had the time to commit. And, um, you know, after... You, you finish your A-levels, um, it, it's, it's a very early age to, to really commit to a career. You know, at yeah. that stage, I was, I was good at maths, but, um, you know, I didn't really know what to do. I thought I'd go with engineering because it was very broad, went into that. But then I, I, I've never really enjoyed it. And what I really enjoy is football and, you know, writing about Arsenal, just covering Arsenal. And that's, that's the kind of stuff that I've um, grown to really love. Um, the passion has always been there in terms of watching the games, but... To actually start writing now has um, has grown over the last year, and I hope it can continue to be a, a good a good future. Um, in terms of who I look up to, there's quite yeah. a few. You know, so many different types of journalists who specialise in different fields. I really do like Art from the Athletic. I think um, his journey and where he started to where he is right now that's something that's quite. Um, you know, I, I admire a lot of that and love the content that he delivers um, on the women's team. Um, you know, the, the under-23s and obviously the first team as well. So that's probably the, the person who I, I've got a lot of time for. There's obviously loads of others, like you've mentioned, but um, he's the one who, um, you know, I really do do appreciate what he does. Yeah, great insight. People, anybody in journalism, broadcasters out there, listen to this podcast, listen to my esteemed guests, man. So I'm going to come to Harry with this question, mate. Um, in, I've been, I'm keen to sort of hear what you, what you say about this, because obviously with you three guys in particular, that's why I wanted to sort of get you on. So, Harry, take it away, my friend. You're mute. You're mute, mate. Sorry, mate. Sorry. Harry, brilliant. Terrible. I can't hear what he said. What's he saying? Shocking. Go on, go on, mate. Shocking. <laughs> no, for me, i got to be honest, I, I didn't grow up thinking, oh, I want to work in football media. Yeah. Um, I grew up wanting to be a footballer, like most kids. And, I was lucky enough to play football to a really, really good level. I was at Leighton Orient up until I was about um, just before I was 17. But I'm not going to give it the old sob story. There is no sob story. I just wasn't good enough. <laughs> um, got released. And and then and I didn't really know what I wanted to do after that. And I left from school. Um, I did my AS levels and I didn't really know where I wanted to go with it. I became an apprentice electrician. I hated it. Six months in, I packed it in. Then I got a job in a bank and I was working for Barclays Bank um, and I had a 10 year stint at Barclays Bank doing all sorts of different roles. But 
it was never what like it, it was never something I enjoyed it was you know I got married I had a family I had a mortgage and all of this stuff and it was like you've got this job and you can't just bin it off and then on the side I started doing podcasts and um started off on a general football podcast with a couple of mates and that went quite well and then I decided to do chronicles and I'd done a book um which I spent a lot of time working on and, and we got that done and then just from there it's kind of been like a slow progression um been lucky enough to to have picked up some jobs along the way worked a bit at stack media um now I'm doing some work for 90 min but yeah, for me the 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 main thing is is the broadcasting side of stuff and I was really lucky last season to be given an opportunity by Vsin a radio station in Vegas um who had bought the Premier League rights for the season to do some commentary which is like my first love I'm, uh, that's for me if you asked me if there's one thing I could do it would be that um week in week out so got the opportunity to do some games last season I ended up doing 42 in the end and that for me was wow. just an incredible year so it's just one of those things where it's something that I wanted to do because I love football and I love Arsenal, but it wasn't a career I set out to have, yeah. but I've been really lucky along the way that I've had some great opportunities, work with some great people. And now touch wood, at least for now, um, we can keep kind of chasing the dream, but you know, let's see. <laughs> well deserved, mate. Well deserved in my opinion. Um, Tom, I'm going to come to you. Same question. So um, yeah, it'd be interesting to hear what you've got to say, mate. <laughs> yeah, uh, my story is a bit strange um, because I mean, twelve just over twelve months ago, I was in full time teaching, so it's oh, wow. uh, it's been a really strange thing. As same as kind of both the guys, it's not a case of it was ever a kind of a, an aspiration when I was when I was a youngster. Um, I went to obviously went through school. Geography was always the thing that I went towards, and obviously the thing that I went into eventually teaching. Um, I did that at university. Uh, and then in my third year of uni, I did an internship. Uh, that was my first kind of entry because through uni, I joined uh, Danny, who's in the chat box. I see yeah, with hey, the guys on, Danny. over at Burkow Wonderland. And I, I got, was a regular on their radio show initially. And then I started to run the radio show for them after the games as well. And uh, what is that yours, Albert? <laughs> no, that's not no it, was, it was my phone. It was my phone. <laughs> It's a strange ringtone. Harry, that's a beautiful ringtone. It wasn't even a ringtone, but anyway. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's obviously that that opportunity that Danny gave gave me and, and the opportunity to go on there. I every single time I talk about getting through to where I am, I never forget to miss that out because it is the most important thing. Because that okay. opportunity, yeah. without going on ABW, I'd never be where I am now. Um, went from that and then Craig started the Guna Talk and uh, asked me on with Mems and Wayne and DT um, and a few others uh, and obviously we went on there and, and eventually I took over after I think uh, Craig did the Guna Talk for I think it was a year I think he started in 2015 and I took over in 2016 so it's about 18 months I think it was and then from 2016 I just carried on doing that. Um, during that point when I went into teaching and full-time teaching. So I was doing a full-time teaching job, secondary girls' school, um, which for anyone who's in teaching knows how ridiculously tough teaching is. It's insane. Um, and that's why I wanted to quit, basically. And for anyone that wants to get into journalism, and I'm sure the other boys will say exactly the same, you just have to graft and you just have to keep chipping away, sending emails, sending, like, doing applications, doing everything you can. And... I'm very lucky because it happened for me quite quickly. I got a full-time job at a, a website called 101 Great Goals. 
um, through just emailing. There was no advert on the website. There was no application. It was just, there's a website, email the person in charge. Do you have a job going? And they were like, yeah, we'll take you on. I quit teaching, went full jump off the cliff straight into this unstable situation from as, as secure as you can kind of be with teaching. And uh, and thankfully, after nine months of working there, an opportunity came up with Reach, um, who are the company that own the likes of Football.London and the Mirror and and companies like that. And I, yeah, I'm part of their new fan brands team, working specifically. I'm on the Arsenal side of things with an amazing group of people. Um, some people that people will know, like Chris Davison, I know people yep. are very much aware of. Um, Hush Karai, Bailey Keogh, and an amazing team of people we've led up by Tom Marshall Bailey. And it's been really fun. And I mean, the other day we interviewed Mo Farah. Like, I just wow. so. It's uh, yeah, it's uh, it's been crazy how how things change. But as I said before, if anyone wants to get into it, you just you just have to graft and you have to just chip away and email after email after email, and eventually something will come good. And I know that Rowan's actually doing some work with us as yes. well. Um, so uh, looking forward to reading your stuff, mate, this weekend. Yeah. I think. Yeah, just on a freelance basis at the moment. It's I'm really enjoying it. Just like you, it's, um, I'm at that stage where I'm doing things on the side right now. I'm, I'm mm. doing that on the side because at the moment I'm I'm secure with this full time job in engineering. Whilst I don't like it, engineering was actually something that I was looking at. Like I did mass yeah. mechanics at A level, and honestly, as soon as I did my first lesson of mass mechanics at A level, I was like, nope, this isn't for me. Awful. The thing is, the the thing I would always say to anyone is, it's like you don't really know that you 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 don't really realize how much you dislike sometimes what you're doing until you get out of it yeah and so always chase the thing that you want to do because yeah. I, I wish that i chased what i wanted to do earlier and didn't wait this long but i mm. I, I had to wait that long after a while because i got myself into a situation where i had a, like i said i had commitments and like tom says you know it's the instability of it that's scary but you have to back yourself. You have to say to yourself, like, you know, I, I left a really stable job and I was like, yeah, I've got to back myself now. And I'm not going to lie. The first year I was bricking it because you, you're looking at it and you're going, where the hell is my money going to come from? How the yeah. hell am I going to keep my head above water here while doing this? Yeah. And then it feels like you're putting in so much time and you're not actually getting like any kind of monetary you know, payback yeah, for it. Yeah, yeah. And so, you know, it is one of those things that you have to chase, you have to graph for, but unless you're going to put that time in and and take that jump then it's very difficult so if it's what you want to do then then go for it man no no guys listen this is why i wanted to get you on um particularly with this particular kind of question because there are people out there who do want to do what you guys want to do and want to forge a career in the respective careers that you guys want to go into so guys listen man um nothing's easy it's not no guarantees in life so Basically, what I'm saying is work your tail off. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, that, that's basically the message, yeah. Um, but no, and before I come to my next fun brilliant question, I think, anyway, um, you guys know what's coming, but people, if you don't know what to do by now, this is what you should do by now. And there you have it, people. For the audio listeners, when you do listen to this, if you hear the beautiful music, 
you are not in a massage parlor. It's just an intro to subscribe to the channel. <laughs> so, uh, so, so uh, next question. I'm going to get kick off with Tom, actually. And this is a good question, I think. Let me get it out. Let me get really it out. He does say so himself. <laughs> yeah, I know. Oh, no, sorry. This I is a great question. Let <laughs> <laughs> me go around yours for dinner. This is an amazing <laughs> meal I've cooked. When we, can, when, we go, when we go off stream, I'll let, I'll let you know where I live, but we'll come around and get together or whatever. But, um, oh, yeah, Tom, so um, obviously you guys, you three guys have got YouTube channels, um, but it's a question I've sort of asked a lot of people because I like to get their thoughts on it because everybody's different, but I think it's a very key question. Um what are the biggest differences you've noticed when you first started your YouTube channel till now? Pros and cons, please. Hashtag pros and cons. It's, I, honestly, I, I I thought really long and hard about this question because it's really hard. Um, I, I don't genuinely think there's, for me, and I haven't experienced clear differences, say on YouTube for the last six years, because it's really difficult to come from the point of view of, of being a guest on the channel, say six, seven years ago, as I was at ABW. to then running a channel now and noticing the difference between the two. What I would say is that the longer you do your channel and I'm sure Albert and, and Harry will attest and, and Rowan, of course, will be able to test as longer you do your channel, the long, the, the bigger, the, the kind of community that you build. Um, and you notice the loyalty beyond anything else. I think is the biggest pro. Yeah. is is the people that will tune in every single week and that will come to every single show that will drop a like on your video that will share your videos online and and that when i noticed that kind of at the start and i was like this is this is the the key this is you're building a community of loyal listeners and paying them attention and creating things for them specifically not just new people to come along to to check out but just to entertain your regular guests that that was always kind of the biggest pro for me that has that's changed over time because you've, you've your community grows. Negatives, um, I think, just trolls in general. <laughs> Trolling is probably the worst thing about it. Oh, people are jealous. It's just the way that the world is. Um, people want what you've got. People want to be where you are, um, and to, to, because they want that, they'll leave a nasty comment on your video, or they'll say that this isn't good enough, or you're boring, or this or that. Like, <laughs> it's just. And you just have to move past that. And it's really difficult because you'll get 20 good comments on a video and one bad one. And you focus on that bad one more than mm. you do the good ones because we're human. And it's just what we do. So they're the kind of big things that I've seen the change is that the, the more you grow, the better the community, but the more you have to kind of deal with in, in a trolling sense and, and you can deal with it. So, yeah. Yeah. No, great answer. I'm Rome, before I come to you, Tom, you mentioned the keyword and I've, and I've thought of the question I've obviously asked you guys. Um, if I was to ask myself the question, um, is um, I think the thing I've noticed is you could say it about life in general, but you do touch on it with a jealousy thing. Um, you, you do, it's sometimes it's not really obvious, but you can tell when it comes across because sometimes you start the journey out with certain people in terms of the YouTube side of it. Um, and yeah, not everybody wants the best for you. Um, I've noticed that very, very, very quickly um, in the time I've done youtube since june 2020 but um rowan i'm gonna bring you in sort of what's your thoughts my friend how do you have you found it yeah um i'm a lot less active on youtube in comparison to all three of you um i i started a channel because i just wanted to be a little bit more versatile and show that you know i'm not just the person who can write about arsenal can actually um speak about them as well um haven't posted a video in five months but i've it's a really good question and just like tom it is it's a difficult one as well I think the best way I can kind of um, explain this is linking my social account and also YouTube as well, because it's very similar in terms of um, uh, the pros and cons where 
obviously you, you build that community from an early, early stage and the consistency that you put in and the work rates, people do um, acknowledge that and they do appreciate it. And you, you gain that kind of that following that platform um, of loyal people. But at the same time, you are going to get a lot of negativity as you grow. And that's just the reality of it. And you have to expect that. It doesn't matter if you're the nicest person in the world, you're completely positive. You'll get called deluded in that sense. And if it's the other way around, you'll get called uh, just lacking any sort of positivity. Because um, it's it's one of those ones where, as Tom says, you, you focus on the negative comments. I remember um, I love watching all, all types of football across all the different leagues. And what I was doing in my latest kind of videos, which was around five months ago, is just looking specifically at William Saliba and Guendouzi and Mavropanos because they were out on loan. And I know a lot of people, you know, they they don't watch a lot of the other leagues. So I thought maybe yeah. if I could give them a little bit of a different kind of insight into it, um, it could be good content. And it, it was going well, but you're going to get nasty comments as well, you know, especially on the Saliba because it's a very sensitive topic. Um, very sensitive. Very. To him. And with me personally, it, it doesn't affect me, you know, social media, anything that I see regards negativity, I just block out, I ignore it. And I don't even um, even reply. I think the best thing to do is to not even reply to these troll comments because that's what they want you to do. They want to get a reaction out of you. Um, obviously, there's certain comments that, you know, for example, an accusation, you have to reply to that because um, that, that's serious. But at the same time, I think best is to ignore ignore those trolls because it is going to come, you know. I, and what I've really liked is... I don't know if um, you guys have similar feelings on this, but I think over the last year, I've seen a lot more people kind of jump on the YouTube scene and um, start channels and are looking to kind of voice their own opinion. And I, I really like that. But at the same time, I think they have to also understand is that, you know, as you grow, you will get negativity. And my advice would be to not kind of change your opinion and your beliefs because of a couple of negative comments. Always be true to yourself because that's what's got you to the position that you're in, you know, once you've grown your platform. So, yeah, it, it, it's a really good question, a difficult one, but that's the kind of best way I can really answer it. I'm, I'm glad you said it's a good question because obviously if I say it, then, you know, people might do that. <laughs> you've already said it three times, Albert. You're right, Harry, you're right. I just want to say it again anyway. But no, no. Harry, before I come to you, Ryan, you make a good point because I've even brought it out to um, social media. Um, I've been lucky in the sense that you won't see me engage in too many Twitter debates. I just won't. I, I always made that promise to myself, even not even with football. One thing I don't tweet about is politics because that is a very, that's a massive hot, hot, hot bed when it comes to um Twitter. The Brexit thing completely just turned me full circle. I said, you know what? I can't engage with certain people. So Tom and Harry, you're very good at it with debates about football. Twitter. I've seen it. Uh, you, I'll give you a medal for replying back to some of the replies you do because I haven't got the time for it. I just can't do it. I think you make a good point. You know, I, I put a tweet out on Pepe the other day. Um, and he's a player who, you know, I've always given a, a lot mm. of time for. Um, and I've tried to back him. But you come to that point where, you know, <laughs> from my perspective, I, I, I'm struggling to really find any positives with him. Um, I put a tweet out. And you just have a look at the quote tweets. There's about 60 there. And it's all a lot of trolls and negativity. And that's the way it is, isn't it, with Twitter? You know, you, you put a comment out on a specific player. And even though it's respectful and you kind of articulate your point in a way that's not being abusive, you'll still get comments from people who back that player and will turn it into abuse and stuff. So I, I, I think the best is to just block and move on. You know, I, a lot of occasions I think there's no no point even replying. Reply to the people who want to debate and um, you know are putting yes. you know thoughtful comments and things like that. You know, ignore yeah. the trolls. 
Yes, debate is the key word, yeah. <laughs> which doesn't happen a lot on, on Twitter and no. Instagram, especially. But Harry, come to you, mate. Same question. Yeah, sort of how you, if any, what's the biggest differences you might have noticed from when you first started till now? Um, all the things that, that the guys have said that the sense of building a community and, and seeing people that are kind of loyal to what it is you're doing are obviously the pros, you know, they're, they're massive pros. And I guess for me, it's it's kind of like a portfolio of work as well. That's another pro that you get from it. Like you can refer people, um, you know, to your to your platform and, and that kind of gives them an, a bit of an indication as to what it is you do. Um, so those are the, the pros for me, you know, and, and obviously enjoying it, you know, enjoying yes. putting together the content, enjoying what you're doing is is what it's all about. Having creative freedom to do the content that you want to do. I've been in jobs when I first kind of started in this industry where I was being told what to write or what to write about. And um, and, and I didn't particularly enjoy that. So to, to have that freedom is obviously really nice and, and really cool. The negatives, a lot of it is the, is, is the troll thing. Right. And for me, at the beginning, I never found it an issue ever. Um, I used to just brush it off and it didn't bother me in the slightest. And then it got to a point where it did bother me and it was starting to irritate me and it was starting to wind me up. And I would spend I would I'd finish work and I'd, I'd go sit down on the couch and I'd be sitting on my phone responding to kind of idiots all night um, that weren't, you know, you said debate that they, they weren't debating because they don't yeah. know how to debate. They just literally talk absolute nonsense as if they've got nothing better to do. And I've been guilty in the last six months, probably more than ever, of actually biting at it and responding to it. And maybe that's because at times I've not always felt 100% or I've had stuff going on that's made me not 100% yeah. or I've been tired or and, and, and I've kind of had less of a tolerance to it and I've re reacted and responded. And... Um, someone like a good friend of mine kind of said to me there was a, it was a couple of months ago now where he could see it he must have seen it on his twitter thread kind of constantly coming up and he said to me listen mate he goes to me you've got a wife a kid another kid on the way at the time spend time with them what are you doing why are you yeah. why are you wasting your time with this and it's, it's so true and and i've tried i've made a conscious effort lately to to ignore it more but it can get to you. It can make you mm. doubt the work that you're doing. It can make you doubt whether you want to continue doing it. Um, but I think, like I was saying earlier on, it's so important to do something that you enjoy. And why should some idiot on Twitter behind an anonymous profile take that away from you or make you feel like you can't do that? So um, I look at it very differently now. And um, and to be honest with you, it's, let them come. Like, whatever, in it. <laughs> If that's the motto. That is the motto. Harry, listen, it's, you're only human, mate. It, you, it, sometimes it is difficult not to buy. I mean, the only sort of, I wouldn't call it even the massive argument I had on Twitter. The only the, the only reason why the person responded is because it was about Meza Ozil, because he was a very divisive character amongst the fan base. And dare you say anything about him? It doesn't even have to be negative, and it just it it just triggers people. Um, it it just does. But um. I've got a couple more questions for my amazing panel people. Like I said, don't just smash the like button. Don't even touch it. Smash it. But um, I've got a curveball question for my panel. They, they didn't know this was coming, but it's a good one. I think it's a good one. Of course you do. <laughs> Tom, I'm going to kick off with you. If you do have one, maybe. Maybe you don't. 
Um, favorite football commentator, hashtag curveball question. Oh, yeah. Um, do I have a favorite? I, I, I really like Jonathan Pierce, um, on BBC, and I think he does BT Sport as well. And obviously, back in the day, he did Robot Wars as well, which was kind of a, a, a big thing in my childhood of watching that. So I remember that massively. Uh, so yeah, I, just Jonathan Pierce. I don't know why. I just quite like his voice. I think it's one of the best voices out there uh, for the game. I, people talk about like the nuances and some of the things that, and some of the historic moments of commentary. But no, just give me someone with a decent voice who doesn't talk over the bits that I don't want talked over, and I'm happy. So yeah, Jonathan Pierce all day long. <laughs> no, good, no, good shot with Jonathan Pierce. I think for me, obviously, where I heard him on the radio, sort of when I first heard of Jonathan Pierce, Capital like, Gold back in the yeah, day, yeah, Albert. Yeah. Yeah, I wasn't sure whether he, it would work with him on um, Match of the Day. But I, I know, yeah, actually, I think it does. I think he's pulled it off. Um, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. But I, I just remember right. listening to the first time being like, hold on, he's a robot all the time. I just remember <laughs> watching a game when I was a kid, just remembering back and thinking, oh, that's, I know that voice. <laughs> Good chat, JP, Jonathan Pierce. Uh, I'm going to come to Harry, actually. What's your, who's your favourite? For me, it's currently Peter Drury. Oh, um, he stole my thunder. Because he, he's brilliant. He's brilliant. He, for me, the guy's a poet. Like the, yeah. the, the phrases and the kind of things that he comes out with, having done the job, obviously nowhere near as well as he does, I recognise how difficult it is to do that, to nail mm. the moment every single time. And also the other thing with commentary, right, That and obviously these guys that we're talking about are seasoned professionals and yeah, yeah. it'll be easy for them, but... Do you know how difficult it is to stay fully 100 million percent concentrated for 90 minutes mm. without fail and not to ever miss any detail of the game? Like it is it's so difficult. So I've got loads of admiration for him and for him to be able to do that, but also then pull off these incredible lines and moments. I just I think he's special and, and I would like to see. Um, I know he does a lot of the main work sort yeah. of overseas, but. I'm sorry. I love Martin Tyler. He's, he's fantastic. But I, I think it's time for Peter Drury to uh, get the sky spot. i got to be honest. Amen to that. Peter Drury, hands down. Yeah. Brilliant commentator. Don't get me wrong. There's some good ones out there. But for me, him, for quite a few years, I thought he's the best. I think he's brilliant. Um, and you, Harry, you're right. I agree. I think he, when Martin Tyler's, because Martin Tyler's been around for a hell of a long time, man. I remember Martin Tyler in, you know, the old First Division 1. He was, he's commentating, and so he's been around a long time. But Harry, great shout, Peter Drury. I agree with that. Rowan, what about you, my friend? I was going to say the same. Yeah, Peter's <laughs> a huge fan of him, um, and Martin Tyler as well. You know, yeah. even though I think he doesn't have that same effect on me um, in previous years, I still think you know he's got that voice, and it's kind of like just that that commentary he gives. You know, the Northland derby. Um, he was covering the Arsenal game on Sky Sport, yeah. and the Abamian goal. It wasn't like an insane um, level of commentary, but it was just the way he says things um, just sticks with me and I love it. Yeah. The other one um, I was thinking of was Emma Hayes um, when she was doing content in the Euros. I think yeah, she's very, good. Job very good. It's a different type of commentator because obviously you have a lot of commentators who are very similar and um, just like Harry says, it's a very difficult job um, to do. But I think Emma Hayes, I really like the tactical insight that she gave. And I think it's good for the audience to get a different perspective. And I think she did a really good job in giving that, especially considering how she's done a great job um, for the Chelsea women's team. And the way she was commentated, I thought it was um, was really good. So, um, you know, I, I would like to see more of her. Obviously, it's going to be difficult for her because she's, um, you know, 
coach of the Chelsea women's team. But yeah, I, I think um, she's definitely one that um, immediately came to my mind as well, along with Peter Drury. Just, no, just a quick one as well. Like I think people forget about how hard radio commentary is as well. Like we think yeah. we just our heads go straight to foot to, to watch it on telly. But like Ian Dennis on on Five Live, yes. is insane. Yeah. Like yeah. The, the radio commentary is so so difficult because you're you can have breaks with TV. Like you can have like you can just let the play out go for a bit. But with, with radio, you are describing every detail of what's happening in the game because obviously those listening aren't watching what's happening and you don't have that benefit so yeah the, the honestly radio commentators the, the most respect in the game for what they do it, it, yeah radio is is tough and i the first couple of games i did last season i was like i had feedback from the producer after the game he was like it's fine but you've got to talk more about where the ball is on the pitch so it's no good saying like you know Pablo Marie to Tierney back to Marie like that that you can do that on TV yeah. but on a radio you've got to give specific you know he's 6 yards in from the touchline he's midway inside the opponent's half like you have to get all of that stuff in and it's so it is so hard to always remember that as well so I completely agree with Tom it's a much more difficult job I think um on the radio than it is on TV for sure because you are the picture, right? There is no picture for the, the the consumer, if you like, to kind of see and and for you to compliment. You are all of it. No, great answers, Peter Jury. Hopefully, you're coming to, to Sky anytime soon, mate. But last question, people. I'm going to ask my panel. Um, I'm going to kick off with. I'm going to kick off with Rowan. Actually, kind of a two part question. Um, score prediction for Palace when we do come back from the international break and. When I say thoughts and feelings about the draw against Brighton, um, I'm talking more about the sort of Arsenal fans' general views about the game. Because it was very... Um, I mean, I thought we lost 6-0 if I'm going by some of the reaction of the Arsenal fans. I mean, I, 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 I'm just baffled sometimes. But um, yeah, Ryan, what's your... Yeah, score... What, yeah, give me your thoughts on the game against Brighton first and then finish with the score prediction. Yeah, I think um, going into the Brighton game, there was uncertainty with their team with regards to Welbeck and Webster and Basuma. Mm -hmm. And when the teams came out, those three were all out. And the way that Brighton function and the way they are kind of build, build out from the back, those guys are very crucial to them, especially Danny Welbeck, who doesn't get enough credit, I think, in terms of the role he plays for that Brighton team. Because whilst they can play out from the back and they're, they're very good in that aspect on Graham Potter, he gives them that different type of dimension in where you can go a little bit more long and his pace and physicality can get them up the pitch in a different way. Um, so before the game, I I felt that three points was imperative. But then as you look at the balance of play and the way the game kind of panned out, yeah. you, you have to say it was a point gained. And um, I, 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 was, I was saying something um, a couple of weeks ago where a lot of Arsenal fans have looked at the, the fixtures ahead and the very favourable fixtures, certainly. Um, but at the same time, what I've been saying is that over the past two or three seasons in the Premier League, the quality across the league has has risen. You know, you look at Brentford, they came up, they play a very modern style of football. Even the mm. coaching setup, everything's so modern. They play really good football in the Championship and they've showed that in the Premier League. And you have other teams as well where you look at some of the um, players from the lower half teams, they could get into the top teams. And that's why there's been so much inconsistency in results throughout the league, barring the likes of Manchester City and Liverpool over the years. And I think exactly the same is going to happen this year, where apart from the likes of Man City and Liverpool and Chelsea, no one's going to win four games on the bounce consistently. It, is, it didn't happen last season. It didn't happen the previous year as well. So 
to win three games after the situation we were in with no goals scored, no points on the board, and it was disastrous um, to then pick up three wins and then take a draw against a Brighton team who have been playing well in the Graham Potter. I think 10 out of 12 is a solid return, um, you have to say. And um, if we continue to play like that and pick up points like that, we'll be right up there near the top end of the table in, uh, in comparison to previous years. So my thoughts on that game were going into it, I felt three points um, should be the target, especially considering the players they had, but, had out. But when you look at the balance of play, I'd definitely take a point. In terms of Palace, I think that they're a team where I wouldn't look at the position that they're in the table to kind no. of judge the way they've been playing. They've been playing really well under Patrick. And um, um, it's really good to see because I think Palace over the last couple of seasons, they brought in really good, smart pieces of business. Last season with Eze coming in from the Championship, this year with Gallagher on loan, um, Guehi, who did really well for Swansea last season, he's came in. Um, Odson Edward, who I've been a fan of for, for yes. quite a while, um, he's he's there now, and um, Mark Lowley's as well. Um, and I think Palace, I like what they've done in terms of they've taken a risk in going away from Roy Hodgson, who's given them that stability and that Premier League status. And they've kind of abandoned that, and they want to take that next step, play a more attractive brand of football. And that's why they brought Patrick Vieira in. And so far, when you look at the way that he set the team up, the way they press with intensity and the organisation, They've done really well. You know, look at the Tottenham game. They completely outperformed them even before the red card. And um, recently against Leicester, they deserved three points. They played really well in that game. And Brighton um, a couple of weeks ago as well, where Graham Potter, who gets a lot of credit and rightly so, when you look at that game, Patrick Vieira tactically outdid him in that one. And obviously with Morpé getting a late equaliser, people who haven't watched the game will say, you know, they, they won't look at it from that kind of perspective. So this will be a difficult game. I think... The fact that we're at home will, will give us um, a big advantage because I always am a little bit wary of um, us playing at Crystal Palace. It, the Selhurst Park reminds me a bit of the bowling, um, West Ham, where it's a little bit more of a close, um, smaller stadium. The atmosphere the fans generate is is significant. Yeah. And the way they press, the way Vieira's got the team pressing, they sustain pressure really well and they keep the opposition pegged back in their half really well. And they create good opportunities as well. So I, I expect them... I expect them to have been a much difficult test for us if it was um, at their ground. But with it being at home, I think we'll win the game. It'll actually be interesting because when I've been watching Palace quite closely, there's quite a lot of similarities in terms of the way Vieira sets the team up and the way Arteta sets the team up in terms of the way they build out. So it could be an interesting tactical battle. But like I said, with it being at home, I think we'll win win the game 2-0. Oh, interesting. Um, before I come to Harry, it's funny, with the Brighton game, I actually went for a draw. Um, I, like I said, I took the North London derby in isolation because I didn't forget how we performed in the in the games prior. Hence the reason why I wasn't surprised we got the draw. And actually, I thought it was a point gained against Brighton because um, we could have easily lost that game. So, Harry, coming to you, what's your thoughts, mate? Yeah, I I, I agree with pretty much everything that Rohan said, to be honest. I, I felt like, you know, it was maybe a little bit unrealistic to expect Arsenal to go and blow Brighton out of the mm. water. You know, we've seen this team be incredibly inconsistent over the last 18 or so months. And so to to see them kind of look a little bit flat was was not really that much of a surprise. The only thing I was disappointed with was the lack of what seemed to be a lack of energy. And, and I don't really understand why that was. You know, there was a week between that yeah. game in the North London derby, there was no midweek fixture. So that was my biggest disappointment. But look, sometimes it's just not your night. 
And um, as, as Rohan said, he pointed out that people aren't winning games consistently in the Premier League. Going into that weekend, nobody had won four on the bounce this season. So, you know, to expect a side who had started the campaign the way we did to be the ones to do that felt a little bit unrealistic. So under the circumstances, 10 out of 12 available points was very positive. Um, moving on to Crystal Palace. I think we should beat Crystal Palace at home. I, I expect us to beat Crystal Palace at home. It's the type of fixture we have to win if we want to get back into Europe, let's be honest. Um, but it isn't going to be easy. And one of the things I've liked about Arsenal in the last few weeks is that even when we haven't played particularly well going forward, we've looked quite solid and quite comfortable defensively. And look, if you can hang on in games, even when you're not playing well and you don't give things away cheaply and you've got the quality that we've got in the attacking areas, then you've always got a chance. So prediction-wise, I'm going to go for a famous old 1-0 to the Arsenal. Flipping hell, Harry. Uh, so before I come to Tom, when I looked at the the four fixtures at the time, so it would have been Brighton, it would be Palace, Villa, and Leicester, I said Arsenal would get eight points out of twelve. I thought we draw the. I thought we draw against Brighton. I actually think we're going to draw at home against Palace, and I think we win win away against Leicester, and I think we'll beat Villa. Um, so eight out of twelve. I think that's a reasonable return with this Arsenal side, by the way, because we don't know what we're getting week in week out. So Tom, to finish off the episode six, you the final question. What's your thoughts, my friend? Yeah, I echo a lot of obviously what the boys have said there. I think the the Brighton game was a game, a classic cliche of saying that's a game we lose last season or the season before. That's a game that we we drop all of the points in. So you could argue that there's progress there because there are games like that where we just don't turn up in an attacking sense. And often it's kind of a defensive error or the grind eventually wears us down and we concede. But you can clearly see the difference in the quality of the back line and the goalkeeper as well and how we've kind of stepped up in those areas. So that's a bit of a reality check. If anything... It's more important to see how we respond off the back of this because we've not really seen an opportunity for Arsenal to respond. I know that we obviously beat Norwich after the whole Manchester City humbling, but it was it was a weird scenario that because mm. it was a different team. There was a lot of players that weren't available that were available then for Norwich. But pretty much everyone that played against Brighton will be playing uh, against Crystal Palace. So that specific eleven has now got the opportunity to respond and how that team responds against Crystal Palace is going to be really interesting. Being at home, I agree with the boys, we should have enough to win. Do we make any tactical tweaks or changes is the big question. Did, did Sambi Lakonga's kind of perform, not Sambi specifically, I, I thought Partey was worse, but the point is, is that Partey is going to start all of our games. Sambi yeah. is, the, is the temporary replacement for Granit Xhaka at the moment. Is it right that we continue with that same eleven, or do we go back to the 4-3-3 that we used against Burnley and move Erdogan into that left-hand side midfield role to provide more of a service to the left flank? Then the question is, who do you drop? Is it Lukonga? Is it a Smith Rowe? Is it someone else? I probably would drop Lukonga and go to the 4-3-3 and then bring, to be honest, and it might be a bit left field, but I really think I want to see Martinelli given more opportunities in this side. I would play him on the left because I think you need to play a right footer on the left-hand side to give Tierney the balance um, and playing a left footer in, in Saka on the right to give Tomiyasu the balance on that side. So you get the overlaps working. It's going to be interesting. I feel like he will go with the same team he used against Brighton if I was predicting. Um, 
But yeah, I'm gonna go with a. I'm gonna agree with. Uh, I'm gonna agree with Rowan and go two nil. Uh, I won't be as uh, conservative as Harry on, on that one. I think. I think we might, we might get a little bit of joy in that game. But uh, it's it's ironic that the away manager is going to get more of a cheer than our own one in the ground. That's going to be for sure. So we'll, <laughs> we'll, see, we'll see how that goes. No, guys, great answers, people in the chat. Thank you. For, if I didn't get to read out all your comments, I apologize, but. I was too busy engaging my fantastic panel, obviously. But um, now, guys, it's and your fantastic that, questions, Albert. Obviously, that, that as of well. Of course, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, I would have big, a big, massive thank you to Tom, Harry, and Rowan for coming on. Um, I enjoy this content series. It's a bit different from what I normally do, but that's the reason why I enjoy it most. Um, takes away a bit of the blood and thunder of social media world, but we're all gooners. We want the best for the club at the moment. It's um. It's an interesting um, time for us as Arsenal fans. Not necessarily a good time, um, challenging times. But um, two things I must say before we go. Um, big shout out to, obviously, manager of the month, Mikel Arteta. I know how that has pleased a lot of Arsenal fans. <laughs> Sorry, I had to say it like that. Sorry. <laughs> because, you know, because obviously, yeah. But listen, he's done well. Um, and a big shout out to one of my Instagram family, by the way. Young, young chap called Samuel Chinadu, who signed... He's contracted at Arsenal Academy. So shout out to you, young man. Um, big for support of the channel. All these young mates all subscribe to the channel. So I had to give a shout out to him. I said I would do it. Um, yes, people, give your virtual waves goodbye or, or hugs, whatever you want to do to the panel um, in the chat. But Tom, thank you for coming on. If the guys don't know where to find you, I, I'd be very shocked to be honest with you. But please tell people where, what you do and where they can find you, my friend. You can find me at the Guna Talk TV uh, on Twitter or just the Guna Talk on YouTube. And you can find us doing some work for Reach and Football London on the Arsenal Way on YouTube as well. Brilliant, Tom. Um, Thanks for having me on, mate. Genuine pleasure. <laughs> no, no, I appreciate like it. it. I appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> Rowan, my little bro, um, thank you once again for gracing me with your fantastic presence. Um, always good to link up with you and to get your insight, man. A um, lot of time for you. Big up to what you're doing so far. But where can the guys find you, man? Yeah, just want to say thanks again for having me. Um, in terms of where you can find me on Twitter, it is at RJ Arsenal blog. I do have a YouTube channel. It's just I'm not consistent on that front because I've just got quite a few things to juggle at the moment. Um, but yeah, I, I just I write about Arsenal, just different aspects. Um, I do threads on Twitter. I write for the Arsenal Review, Gunners Town, and also freelancing for Football um, London as well. So um, yeah, that's where you can find me. No, big up. Shane, thanks for the question in the chat. Now, Tom's already answered it. Brilliant, Tom. There you go. Easy win. Yeah, I'm with Tom. I'm Easy. With yeah, I think, so. I think good. so. And fine, and a fine but not least, Harry, thank you for coming. This is the first time to get you on eventually. I'm glad to get you on. Um, big up to you. Where can the guys find you? If you, you, you made that sound like you've been asking him for years. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, well, I don't know. Not that long, but yeah. He's a busy man. He's a busy man, Tom. Busy man. No, it has been too long, I have to say. Um, no, but it's a pleasure to finally be here. Thank you so much, man. Really appreciate it. No, thank you. Um, big up to you, Tom, and obviously, Harry, for letting me allow me onto your platform. I don't take it for granted because, obviously, um, there's to some people you might not want to work with. But, no, I take it as a privilege that you asked us to come on. So, um, big up to you guys. Um, peoples, like I say, follow my esteemed guest. Smash the like button. Your host, Albert JTV. Twitter handle at Yumo57. Um, come and subscribe to the channel. That is episode six, over and done. Um, hashtag life stories, over and out, people.